I view attraction as becoming the energy that pulls you toward what or whom your soul has already decided that it wants. When I think of attraction, I immediately think of a physical thing, a physical reaction to a body of some kind. But I guess attraction is so much more than that, and that might seem obvious, but it didn't seem obvious to me when I was first thinking about it. Attraction, it's the mutual pull or draw to something or someone. Uh, an important part of that is that that person or idea is equally attracted to you and pulls you in with the same energy that you put forth. Attraction to me is objective and emotionless and it is an innate feeling of a need of wanting exposure to something, wanting to just be closer to something or having it around more seeing how it affects you or you affect it. Attraction is something or someone that can spark your interest in a positive way. It can draw you in sexually, inspirationally, aesthetically, emotionally, or platonically. For me, attraction is my partner, my love for the arts, and all of the places that I've traveled. It's there's something inside of you that identifies with it and that, and that deep down wants it and admires it and, and you want to emulate it, um, and that's why you're attracted to this thing. I think attraction in the broad sense um, between yourself and the world is, uh, is a combination of how you present yourself to the world and how you view yourself and how you think of yourself. Something that I've noticed in my personal life is this connection between attraction and familiarity. I think that line of thinking goes unchecked where you can see something and first consider that or first think that you like it or you're attracted to it when actually it's your, your brain sending certain signals saying, wait a second, you know, there's just something familiar about it. Simply put, attraction is that feeling of highly vibrating wholeness in a being, um, whether the source is identified or not. Okay, now we're really here and we're really doing it. Yes. Right? Yeah. Okay, you're recording. I'm recording. It looks like we're making a podcast today. Here we are. We can also <laughs> see, I, we can also <laughs> see each other, which is a new development that's gonna It's a new development because I really don't think we've emphasized enough we don't live in the same place. <laughs> we don't at all. <laughs> Not even close. Bicoastal cuties. Um, (laughs) L.A., New York, baby. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Um, So you introduce it this time. What is this? This is Ninth Hold, episode six. What is... Attraction? What is attraction? She fucking waved her <laughs> at me. We're, it's a whole new dimension now that we can give each I, other stage directions. Yeah, I thought we were doing physical cues. I thought that was the whole point. I have a whole choreography <laughs> planned. I just winked at her because I don't, I don't know what that gesture means. But I think winking is the creepiest thing anyone can do. Like, why? It's so strange to me that someone would just decide to wink at a person in passing. 
just like out and about in a casual setting. If I don't know, I've seen I've seen people do it, and I it's been done to me. But every time, I just think, wow, that's so bizarre that someone's response is to wink at, at a person. Yeah, it's a, it's such a bold I mean, it's such a bold thing to do. I feel like if it, I was it like a suggestion, suggestive like hey, regardless of if it's suggestive or just casual or chill, I don't know what the different types of winking are necessarily, but I just think in from where I stand, the the courage it takes to build yourself up to wink because I feel like there's such a there's such a margin of error there. Like, what if you? What if your entire face just glitched or something? <laughs> what if you look like a fucking idiot? Right. Yeah. I feel like. I just, I have a mirror and I'm looking at myself. I'm like, I don't think there's anything. No, you're pretty. You look pretty good. <laughs> you're able to do it pretty um, seamlessly. Wink at me. Do it. Like, I can't. It's, it, it takes... Okay. Well, so maybe you're just jealous. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Maybe I am jealous. But I also think I just, over, yeah, maybe I'm just overthinking it. And people who can wink should just keep keep going off with that. But it's not Well, the be people me. who winked at me in my past, were, I feel like it was like teachers who were like, good job. That's fine. Or like, you know what I mean? I like that kind of wink, but... I've never been winked at by a man or anyone who is like, want to fuck? Like, that's <laughs> never happened to me. That's what I'm worried about. That's what I don't like. That's that Has that happened to like. you? I'm sure. Is that wink I don't like? <laughs> Wait, has someone winked at you and you felt like they were saying, like, I want to, like, get with you is that like the wink i can't get? where do you go i can't think of like one specific example of that happening but i feel like that must have happened at some point in my 28 years of life like at a bar or something you're not 28 yet so almost slow down yeah well you aren't there well if you count the zero year yeah i guess that counts anyway. i mean i've been saying i'm 30 since i was 28 so right. i mean yeah exactly <laughs> So that's kind of that's kind of I? It all just kind of blurs together at a certain. You're gonna point. start doing that around like month six of being 28. You're gonna be like, I'm 30, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everyone, fuck off. I'm 45. <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> I'm actually 90. <laughs> oh, it's not. Funny. Yeah, I was gonna say I can't make any follow up jokes on that because it's inappropriate. Um, to talk about being old, why? Because some people might not get old, or like, why? yeah, I guess it's not inappropriate. That's not the right word. <laughs> it's so, inappropriate. To, I'm insulted. <laughs> it's inappropriate to make fun of old people. I'm not making fun of them. No, yeah, I'm saying I, I know. They're supreme I, wisdom. I was, I was going to make a joke, and then I decided, mm, no, so I'm not going to make that joke because I don't want to be ageist. Okay. That's where I'm at. Using a lot of hand gestures. It's distracting. Because <laughs> you can see yourself. I know, it's very You're getting real Italian about it. Yes. So, That's like when I'm on yes. a Zoom call for work, people are always like, everyone sits and I feel like they're sitting on their hands and then I start talking and it's like, I'm doing fucking like a routine for everyone. <laughs> well, because I feel like they don't understand me unless my hands are next to my face. Yeah. You must understand the severity of the situation. You need to see that I have hands. Excuse me? Nothing. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, so wait, before we get into it, because I think you're about to, like, 
drive this train back on the tracks. <laughs> um, I felt like you were about to. Maybe I missed. Maybe let's I misread swer- that. Let's cue. swerve it back onto the tracks. I'm ready. Well, I was gonna say before before this vehicle gets back in its lane. How many more? Um, driving <laughs> metaphors can, oh can we, we should make a lot more i'm buying a car right now so that oh my god that's a big life development so let's you're at the wheel i'm in the passenger seat we are fixing the engine yep. i have already run out mm-hmm. there's no gas in the tank oh room <laughs> <laughs> close <laughs> except for not because there's no gas in the tank money in the bank got news for you you're looking at the man okay what I was going to say, which uh-huh. is sad, about the man, we lost the king of rock and roll, mm-hmm. the designer, the architect, whatever you want to call him, Little Richard, mm-hmm. last weekend. Wow. Yeah. What a legend. I wrote down some facts. I just wanted to slam them out there so everyone has them. Please. Because I find them amazing yeah. I didn't even know I like I knew I had watched a couple of his interviews mm-hmm. <clears throat> like months maybe years ago um where he talks about just like Jimi Hendrix the Beatles Mick Jagger and I I just like didn't fully appreciate what all of that meant but anyway so I read these are my facts mm-hmm. The Beatles opened for Little Richard in Europe in the early 60s and he actually is noted as helping Paul McCartney find a specific range of his voice, Mm. which is insane. Um, And then there was a, I know, and then there was a promoter who had Little Richard come on to save the Rolling Stones tour in 1963 because it was tanking so badly. Wow. Um, And he is considered one of the first crossover artists uh, as in, like, a black artist to uni- unify black and white audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, he's noted as the first artist to have women's underwear thrown at him. Wow. Like, that was not a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a drag queen when he was 17 named Princess Levon, mm-hmm. which I think is amazing. Um, he So he was flying back from uh, Australia to the USA uh, in 1957, and they actually returned 10 days earlier than expected, and his original flight crashed into the Pacific Ocean in 1957. Wow. So that's the year, I want to say that's the year Prince was born, Mm -hmm. 58. So, yeah, I mean, the year before Prince was born, little Richard almost died in a fucking plane crash. So... Like, if we had lost little Richard, I'm not saying we wouldn't have had Prince, but we definitely would not Not in the same had... way. I thought that was interesting. And then just a side yeah. note about crazy plane crashes that I remembered this fact. Anyway, Seth MacFarlane almost died in 9-11, which I knew that for a while, but that's just somebody else that I just feel like it's totally different <laughs> caliber of What talent. was it? He was supposed to be on a plane? Yeah, he was, he missed his flight that was the plane that hit the first, the first plane that hit the tower. Seth MacFarlane was supposed to be on that. Wow. Yeah, I know. Um, anyway, so, um, oh, and Tutti Fruity, wait, go ahead, what? No, just a quick Seth MacFarlane question. Does he Uh, have an EGOT yet or no? No, he doesn't have a Tony yet, I don't think. Or he, he doesn't have a Grammy or Tony. He wants he wants to write a musical and he could. 
And he was nominated for a Grammy in 2015 or 16. He didn't win it and lost to Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga. Yeah, so, no, Seth MacFarlane, I think, could be in that category. I just don't, he doesn't, he has not done a musical yet um, Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. But the moment Family Guy is on Broadway, I mean. I mean, if, (laughs) what are the guys who made South Park? In Book of Mormon, know. I if they're know. on if they're on Broadway, then Seth should be on Broadway. And he ha- he literally his voice sounds like Frank Sinatra, which we are going to talk about today too. But he is amazing. Um, yeah. And the last thing I wanted to say, the last two things I wanted to say was that <clears throat> Tutti Frutti is considered the model for rock and roll, which I, in my ignorance, wouldn't have thought. That I just would not have thought that, but mm-hmm. everything I was reading, it kind of makes, or it absolutely makes sense. Um, and also, there's a little bit of lore around the original lyrics of that song, mm-hmm. but I'm not here to say it's true or false, but look it up. It's on Wikipedia. It's all over the internet. If you Google, like, original Tutti Frutti lyrics, they're pretty graphic. Um, yeah. And apparently, he wrote the original song when he was a janitor at a bus station so basically he had a pretty incredible life those are just like some top line Mm -hmm. early life facts about him that i thought were super interesting but um that is very interesting i did not know he was a janitor yeah princess lavon at 17 drag queen and that Mm. is also pretty amazing that the beatles what would what'd you say again that the Beatles needed him opened to come for to him help yeah her. they opened for him and then Mick Jack like the Rolling Stones tour was failing and so right. they had Rolling little Stones. Richard open for the Rolling Stones which is like what <laughs> yeah wow what a tour yeah I know and I, I feel like he must have been in his 20s at that point because in, in the late 40s he was a in like 40 in 1949 he was 17 I think so Mm -hmm. I love thinking about that time though because I when I was reading the Bob Dylan Chronicles it talks about how his first experience in the recording studio was with Harry Belafonte and it's like who knew but I think it's really important and interesting to think about how that crossover was was so revolutionary at the time and little richard definitely um paved the way for that in a lot of different Mm -hmm. senses so he also said like i know rest in peace he also said in a video interview that someone asked him like how does it feel that elvis sold more records than you on your song and he was like i don't care i'm just glad he got my music out there like yeah pretty amazing uh way to take a back seat on your own song (laughs) because you're because he is a black man and elvis was white like that's like that's all elvis did yeah (laughs) say it louder (laughs) it's all i mean so many artists the beatles too it's a sad time a lot of death yeah jerry stiller too that was sad i mean he he was pretty old and i guess little richard was too yeah so. he was they no were one both lives old. forever no one lives forever man jerry stiller such a funny guy too ben yeah i feel stiller. like i did not see that coming i definitely didn't either 
Um, but I guess that's what happens. Circle of life. Let's just let's just close the chapter of that part because that's mm-hmm. sad. Um, move right along. Speaking of attraction, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that we can quite easily segue because you know why why were people <laughs> no that's not a good segue i don't know what i was gonna say but what is the traction that's that's our topic of the day well yeah that is our topic of the day and i think it ranges a pretty broad spectrum and whenever we decided to talk about this it, there was no real pointed we're going to talk about this facet of attraction and this part only. I think it's yeah. as we like to do on the ninth hold. We just kind of talk and talk and talk. And I think and with talk. The, <laughs> and talk. <laughs> and I think for me, whenever I think about what is attraction, I think about mentally what am I, what attracts me and what, how do I want to engage and what, what is, inspiring and motivating for me to to keep me I mean especially right now as we're all in quarantine and coronavirus is still happening like how do you stay in forward motion without necessarily having so much going on around you and what are the things that inspire you to to seek out new parts of yourself or new parts of something that you were kind of familiar with but want to learn more about in a different way and I think I think attraction has a lot of different definitions in that sense where you you are attracted to to I don't know just finding out something something new and something that piques your interest in a way and I think that that has a big part of of or that is a big part of what attraction is and from my point of view but I think there's also a lot of interesting things I've been thinking about as it pertains to attraction Um, I was reading a book recently and it was saying how um, from the Lagrangian point of view the forces that pull and shape a ball's arc into a gentle parabola serve a higher law is not in the little details that we must look for the supreme being, but in the phenomena whose universality suffers no exception and whose simplicity lays them quite open to our sight. The universe wills simplicity. Newton's law provides the mechanics, the principle of least action ensures grace. So I think there's something about attraction in that quote from this book I've been reading that talks about how I think the the like path of least resistance in things a lot of the time is is pretty attractive too and finding that balance in yourself between kind of surrendering to that grace that is being mentioned in this passage versus like seeking something out actively and being attracted to something in, in the active sense. So mm-hmm. um I think there's a lot of different ways to frame attraction and what what you're looking for and what what sort of pace you're going at with something. Yeah. Um, hold on. That's all good. I do think that like even someone like little Richard is an interesting example of something that is so magnetic and you're attracted to it so intensely because it's so, I mean, not that I know so much about little Richard, but even musically that music was so revolutionary and cutting edge at the time. 
and it was like dangerous that's yeah. that's what people liked about it they were attracted to like the danger of him like yelling he was literally yelling and like no one had ever done anything like that before right very bombastic like theatrical male aggression um mm-hmm. but it was like safe to approach i guess yeah because the right. lyrics were so mm, flamboyant, I guess. And that, mm-hmm. I, well, I, that actually is interesting to take apart because he had like this raw energy that was so palatable still. And I mm-hmm. think it's because he crossed that line. Ooh, this actually fits really well into what we were talking about last night. He has that aggression that animalistic like guttural yelling like in tutti frutti the like ma- the fucking hook is not words it's him imitating a drum yeah, for sure pattern that he made up in his head and mm-hmm. then but the lyrics are so like just sugary bouncy fun totally goofy weird and then like his stage presence he was like in like he wore suits at the beginning and then kind of brought in his like drag queen essence to it i guess i'd say and like wore Mm -hmm. like flamboyant like he wore like flamboyant colors and tassels and shit so i don't know that's actually i mean i think rock and roll in general has historically walked the line of like pushing you away and then also inviting you in with like a warmth a warmth that allows you to feel welcome but also Mm -hmm. like you're a part of something that is so dangerous and like scary but you're you're okay because you're a part of it too I guess it's kind of like when I was a kid I used to be like I want to be a ghost because then I can't get scared of them because I Mm. am one yeah it's not the same thing but kind of (laughs) i guess yeah yeah that's interesting i think i think there is something really true about that as far as um this sort of i mean we've talked about this a lot on the past few episodes as far as the group and group think mob mentality of things and what is attractive about that Mm -hmm. i think that that's pretty relevant and pertains to this topic and yeah i think i think music is is the example we go to a lot of the times but it also applies very broadly beyond music too um Mm -hmm. and people are attracted to that comfort and that feeling and that sort of reconciliation that you're talking about as far as thinking oh if I'm a ghost then I'm not afraid of ghosts and that's how little kids <laughs> act and I, I I remember I was listening to a podcast once that was really cute um and it was this little girl who had I can't remember if she I think it was an anxiety disorder she had some sort of some sort of really severe just anxiety or PTSD or of about something or OCD. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was it was really interesting to listen to because it was a young girl and it was the counselors talking her through how to cope with her anxiety. And that's what they told her to do. They told her, 
not to pretend you're a ghost, but to just take ownership of the fact that yes, you are scared of something and it is real and you have that fear and it is a actual possibility and reality, but um, you, you have to just control it and then let it go and sort of like ride the wave. And um, I do think whenever it comes to that, that sort of group mentality and that, that like flocking to something, you're kind of trying to avoid that fear that you have to sit within yourself. And I think there's something really powerful about that. And whenever it comes to rock music and music in general, it's trying to find a way to manage that feeling in a group setting with other people and feeling like you're a part of that culture and that movement. Like we've talked about a lot. So Mm -hmm. It's true. Um, I think uh, because we didn't talk about very methodically did not talk about what this was going to be, which is a good thing. Uh, I obviously jumped in on it from a different angle because we are not the same. (laughs) Um, And I kind of thought about because I've had like a personal theory of attraction that I've kind of been loosely trying to figure out how I feel about it. It's Mm kind of based on Freud, kind of based on just like how I feel about people that I am attracted to and like Mm -hmm. things I'm attracted to or whatever it is. And for me, I realized that if it's like a person um it's usually I can't decide it's when I'm attracted to someone it's usually because I can't decide if I want to be them or if I want to them to love me or if I want to like physically like if I'm physically attracted to them Mm -hmm. it has it's like it's never just like one of those things it's always all three and if it's not all three I'm like not that it's like the disconnect it's a complete disconnect yeah so like I'm just thinking of, like, anyone I've ever had, like, a relationship, like, a romantic relationship with. It was definitely all three of those things where I'm, like, I want to be, like, you inspire me. Like, I want to be you. Also, obviously, physically attracted. And then you also want them to, like, feed the, like, narcissist in you and, like. Yeah. And, like, you know, approve and validate and approve you. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just something that I've been, like, trying to dig into and in preparing for this episode I was just mm-hmm. reading about you know fucking Freud's insane ass um <laughs> <laughs> trying to dissect what the fuck he's ever talking about but what a freak what a freak it's true <laughs> and basically what I came to realize through my research in a long-winded answer is that there's a Greek mythological character named jason and i have a problem mm. with that yeah we don't jason like <laughs> jason <laughs> we have zeus and hercules and then we land with jason is part of the mythology anyway somehow that's where i landed but google it jason. it makes me think of that organic shampoo called jason, jason. yeah I, I guarantee it's from jason of greek mythology anyway no i real what i really was thinking about was the um fucking 
id ego and super ego and was just Mm -hmm. trying to figure out where i would place those as far as like attraction yeah um and i still am not 100 percent sure i just uh so long story short i just think that with attraction like for me anything it has to kind of like the person whether it's like someone i actually tangibly could like date or if it's Mm -hmm. like someone that i admire on like a grand scale like someone like prince um -hmm. or michael jackson it's because i can't figure out because they their persona and their entire like thing oscillates so heavily between like do i want to be you do i want you to like me or do i want am i physically attracted to you you know and i Mm -hmm. think that that someone checking all three of those kind of really um innate human drives of just like uh the the desire to be have approval from authority the mm-hmm. desire your prim, primal desires and then your the human desire to make sense of the world if someone yeah. can inspire and incite like this oscillation between all three where you can't settle that's you, I which sounds so hectic but that is usually how I realize I'm attracted to someone or something yeah no I agree with you it makes me think of something I was reading recently in the in a book called the 50 secrets of magic craftsmanship by Salvador mm. Dali mm. which is a kind of weird book it's 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 not like something you it's like a more of a coffee table book than a book you like sit down and read it just has a lot of really wacky takes from him as a as the surrealist artist that he was and there's one chapter that is called the secret of why gala loves painting and why painting loves gala and that or i don't know if it's gala or gala um Either way, that's his wife and his muse. And it's really interesting in the chapter how he talks about how being married to her as this person who inspired all of his art and creativity really does go through that oscillation that you're talking about. And But where, where it winds down and um, a lot of the parts he really points out in the book talk about the the moments where she's really not doing anything other than just existing and being there and kind of like I was saying in in the other book I was reading called Genius about how um, in physics the Newton's laws they talk about how the universe really like rewards this calm calmness and I think trying to navigate that chaos you're talking about and find the the moments that slow down or are really are really key to attraction it's like can you can you find solace and restfulness and something and i i like what he said in this book let me now tell you other advantages that you will find in being married to gala and since i feel that this is what you have been waiting for wondering what in the world this gala does to make her so precious to every painter what she does to be so useful. My answer shall be simple. She does nothing. She lets potentialities, processes, and affinities take their course. That is to say, she poses. So it's really simple, you know? And I think I think attraction is something that you can get kind of bogged down in and overthink and overanalyze and try, try and rationalize for yourself. But 
a lot of the times it's it's not none of that is really pertinent and you can just kind of let go and say oh there's something really simple about this that is also attractive and I think it's that that oscillation is really interesting to think about and I think it applies to a lot of different types of attractions like we were saying not even just romantic and physical but um how you occupy your time with your career or with hobbies and activities or things that you want to learn more about what do you I think about it for for things I just find interesting on the side and want to learn like read about read books about or listen to podcasts about what just calms my mind and puts me at ease and I'm attracted to that and I guess that's that's probably a bigger conversation around the anxieties of life and trying to just again mitigate that but um I think I think attraction can be again sort of seen in a lot of different frames in that way so it's like how people watch like trash tv to calm down right well you know what they like about it i think specifically like thinking like kardashians or real housewives of wherever the fuck Mm -hmm. because you get to watch that chaos and it has like it just like lives in the box and then you can turn the box off yeah and then you're just, like, still left with just you. And I think that it's that attraction to, like, seeing that chaos unfold mm-hmm. and knowing that, like, you can take it in from afar and kind of, like, feel a part of that and, like, yeah. a, a, a member of it. And then if at any point you just, like, don't want to digest it anymore, you just turn it off. But mm-hmm. I think, like, what people are attracted to about, like, reality TV and, like, the danger of, like... I don't know. God, the internet is so up its ass with Survivor right now, and I don't understand. Yes, or maybe it's just... Okay, maybe it's just people I've noticed are talking about Survivor. Because, okay, I saw... I think it was... I don't know. I think it was someone Bowen Yang was, like, Instagram living with. It wasn't Matt Rogers. I don't remember. It was, like, talking about Survivor, and then someone Mm -hmm. I follow on Twitter was talking about Survivor. And then, like, I'm just, like... I think it's I just think, like comedy internet is really into Survivor. I think right people now. are just watching a lot of Survivor in quarantine also. <laughs> They're just like, I'm, I'm the Survivor. <laughs> like, yeah, we're all surviving. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, I think the point I was trying to make is that we like to, we all like to flirt with danger. And yeah. I think that oh yeah oh yeah baby don't we (laughs) so but it's not just danger it's the it's the repulsion to that is that protection the so i wrote i wrote this down last night i was thinking about i said the severe oscillations between danger and protection being rebellious and following the rules sexuality and addressing masculine and feminine energy all Mm -hmm. of these things satiate the entirety of the id ego and the super ego when you because i don't remember exactly what each one punishes itself with i like just Mm -hmm. don't remember but i think it's when you diverge off of the path of like protection a little too far or like if you go a little too far away from the rules then you you punish yourself whether you're consciously aware of it or not and Mm -hmm. i think art can be art meaning you know anything like literally reading about dolly or like watching fucking kim kardashian sure fight yeah. with her sisters whatever <laughs> that is is like a form of entertainment or art or whatever sure yeah absolutely i agree all of that i think gives you that reward of like 
I'm in, I'm involved in this, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. And it lets you kind of dance with danger and your brain punishes you, but then rewards you because you're not actually a part of it. I feel like that must be something. Yeah, I mean, I think that attraction and repulsion is a real weight mm-hmm. that is, is going back and forth just in so many different ways and yeah you like reward you you reward people reward themselves when they make the what they consider is the right choice like Mm -hmm. you subconsciously or unconsciously reward Mm -hmm. yourself for those things so I'm just thinking back to like something as a, a concept like like rock and roll music like I think that that was that that was actually a better segue than I thought it would be moving from yeah. like drag queen little Richard you know screaming danger rock and roll for the first time um and why people are attracted to that I that's what I was saying earlier I was like afraid to make him the segue but it was like perfect actually that he yeah. is was the way he was um and he Definitely. battled he battled with his religion his whole life he saw yeah. He saw, I think it was a Sputnik going by in the sky, and mm-hmm. it was like a red burst of light, and he thought that that was a sign that he should stop doing secular music. Like, he mm. was so hard on himself, which is really sad. Um, yeah, it is. Because but so many like, people are. Yeah, I mean, we all are. It's, I just can't imagine living your whole life. I mean, I don't know for a fact, but I feel like he was not fully comfortable being himself you know yeah but anyway I think that that actually played into so much of him like I don't think people like Questlove would don't like calling him the architect of rock and roll they like calling him the king of rock and roll Mm -hmm. which is true and I agree but for my the next thing I want to say I think architect is relevant of a phrase as the man who built rock and roll as we know it now like tutti frutti being like the blueprint of that I think we wouldn't have that the way we have it if he weren't walking that feminine masculine line and Mm. in a world where he he couldn't be just like a flamboyant gay man or whatever he like I think wanted to be he had Mm -hmm. to suppress that and it came out in so many other ways yeah um which is kind of amazing to think rock and roll may have again I don't I don't want to speculate on his sexuality but may have come about from like a drag queen like that's incredible (laughs) I mean it technically did he was a drag queen yeah I want to go with that (laughs) he was a drag queen so he's a drag queen who invented rock and roll I mean that that I mean speaks to like the like why people are so like people are so attracted to rock and roll like I'm thinking of like Guns N' Roses or like you know what I mean like yeah well there's really (laughs) I I do think that especially in that classic rock and roll sense there was such a play on this androgynous presence and existence that I mean even beyond rock and roll specifically obviously Prince is an example David mm-hmm. Bowie is an example They're Michael Jackson Grace, Michael Jackson Grace Jones mm-hmm. um, that's not all rock and roll per se but I think No but it is I mean it is and androgyny plays such a huge role in that you're right Yeah I think I think you're definitely 
right? About that masculine feminine line being kind of teetered upon playing a big role in Mm -hmm. music existing as it does now. And I think the excerpt from Freud about the superego and it says, The concept of superego and the Oedipus complex is subject to criticism for its perceived sexism. Women who are considered to be already castrated do not identify with the father, and therefore, for Freud, their superego is never so inexorable, so impersonal, so independent of its emotional origins as we require it to be in men. They are often more influenced in their judgments by feelings of affection or hostility. However, Freud went on to modify his position to the effect that the majority of men are also far behind the masculine ideal and that all human individuals as a result of their human identity combine in themselves both masculine and feminine characteristics, otherwise known as human characteristics. Yes, I love that quote so much. And it like as it settled when I was reading it yesterday, because it only makes sense as a whole. You have to read it from the sexist part through to the the fact that men can't reach the masculine ideal in order to understand the like breadth of what he meant, I think. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, shit, like talk about rock and roll. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right. I think there, there's a lot of conflicting energy in that statement that people were just trying to like create this, this false ideal that wasn't realistic. And hold men to a certain level of masculine expectations and suppress women by saying that they couldn't tap into anything other than these strong reactions that because we're born castrated yeah okay yeah i don't think that 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 makes no sense track to me but (laughs) and also also the fact that he addressed the masculine ideal or whatever like that he like acknowledged that like men like men can't reach whatever they think it is but also not addressing the like feminine ideal meaning to me the implication is that we got it (laughs) right no i think you're right i did want to talk about this article i sent you earlier (laughs) from mazarin banaji who is a professor at harvard and wrote a publication article an article in a publication called our bounded rationality and i thought i thought it was really interesting i don't know if if it relates specifically to attraction necessarily but i think it does relate to what we're talking about as far as how people rationalize things and how people justify and try to make points of things even when they don't really have a foundation for it because obviously in this Freudian example I don't think there was anything that this guy was specifically drawing from as it relates to women having these emotional responses because they were castrated so I think I think this kind of touches on some interesting points and it says I'm just going to read it all and you can we can edit it um It says, explanations that are extraordinary, both analytically and aesthetically, share among others these properties. A, they are often simpler compared with what was received wisdom. B, they point to the truer cause as being something quite removed from the phenomenon. And C, they make you wish you'd come upon the explanation yourself. 
Those of us who attempt to understand the mind have a unique limitation to confront. The mind is the thing doing the explaining. The mind is also the thing to be explained. Distance from one's own mind, distance from attachments to the specialness of one specific tribe, getting away from introspection and intuition, not as hypothesis generators, but as answers to explanations, are all especially hard to achieve when what we seek to do is explain our own minds and those of others of our kind. So, she's like, I, don't even bother. <laughs> don't even bother. <laughs> she's you like, really she, shouldn't. She said it's a catch-22 when the machine is trying to understand itself. That's what she said. I think it's, I really think it's true. And I really think we've caught up to ourselves here. <laughs> All right, I'm turning it off. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm turning it off. Um, Actually, so I, I think this is... It's just, I, I remembered a word I learned. I learned this word a while ago because I actually wrote, I either did a short film about it or wrote a poem. But I don't, I've done so many things. Mm-hmm. I'm just so prolific. No, I'm kidding. Um, But I remember specifically learning the word cathexis when mm-hmm. we were at the other apartment and I thought it was mm-hmm. the coolest fucking word. Do you know what it means? I remember you learning it, but I don't remember what it okay, means. Okay, I'm so glad you remember me learning it, because mm-hmm. I definitely, I made something. It was either I wrote a song, made some art came from me learning this word. Yeah. But it is defined as the process of allocation of mental or emotional energy to a person, object, or idea. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's a, almost a word that's like, why do we have, like, why do we need it? Like, what is, it's a word defining just, like, applying energy, applying energy. It's not even a tangible matter, you know? Energy is just, like, I'm I'm applying my thought to this, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, and cathexes were used, Mm -hmm. it was saying in plural, um, in regard to, I believe, the id. Mm. It doesn't really matter. But it was saying, like, uh, that one of... I think it was the id tries to frequently disregard the application of energy to things and instead is just, like, wildly primal. (laughs) And it's just, like, I'm not going to apply much of any thought here. Or I'm not applying energy in any specific direction other than, like, Mm -hmm. primal. So I think that that may be kind of orbits what you were talking about is like why why try so hard (laughs) when it's like part of you is just an animal and just like is existing maybe i'm totally missing the point i don't know yeah i think (laughs) i think that i think that definitely relates and then i also liked in this article when she said that we are error prone and the unique ways in which we are the explanation goes not because we have malign intent, but because of the evolutionary basis of our mental architecture, the way in which we learn and remember information, the way in which we are affected by those around us, and so on. The reason we are boundedly rational is because the information space in which we must do our work is large compared to the capacities we have, including severe limits on our conscious awareness and our ability to control our behavior and act in line with our own intentions. So I think there's something really interesting to me about the connection between that and the cathexis that you're referencing and Mm -hmm. how a concentration of mental energy on something in in this definition I'm reading it says especially in an unhealthy 
way is is just such a it can be such a vacant use of of your time and your mm-hmm. mental bandwidth and I think that's something that kind of struck me in this article that I was just pulling from and how mm-hmm. how and again back to what I was saying at the beginning as far as attraction and how sometimes it's better to kind of just take a back seat and let it let it ride and let, let it, it be simplified and let it be mm-hmm. something that is as simple as a woman posing for a painting you know mm-hmm. because people are just that, people they just people exist. are just people yeah and we're all we're all just trying to get by so. yeah i actually really like that last quote you read um because it fits really seamlessly into unfortunately probably not unfortunately it fits it fits seamlessly into the notes i chose to take about Mm -hmm. ego id and ego id and super ego um because i i i studied this in like high school and a little bit in college and i kind of forgot what the three of them are and how they work together mm-hmm. i mean i know what ego is as like a the way we use it in like a colloquial sense it's like yeah very you know obvious like we all know what ego means but we don't mm-hmm. use it and super ego in the same i guess just conversation speak um mm-hmm. but it's like if you lean too far one way or the other in any of these directions per, as a person, whether yeah. not so much applying any of this energy to another person, whether it's someone in real life or like an, someone you idolize or both, um, mm-hmm. inwardly applying, you know, cathexis in any direction of yourself, you're going to lose um, the ability to discern, I guess, how to expel that energy appropriately like yeah and that's just human nature i mean you know going between like innate desire and then also understanding the world but then also understanding like rules and trying to figure out like do you want to follow those rules or do you want to defy them and kind of then be punished whether that's from someone else or punishing yourself from like embarrassing yourself from something like superficial like that but anyway yeah well I mean I think I think you're totally right and if you lean too far in one direction or another you desensitize yourself to the other directions and I don't think that that's a healthy balance in general but I think that that was good I think it was right Uh, yeah I think did what I say make sense yeah, I, th- I we, feel like I just, yeah. We did that. I think that was a really good one. Okay, I feel like I just opened my mouth. We are adding a new segment to our little fun moments. So we're going to talk about a couple new songs or newish songs new to us songs that we've discovered in the past week um even though this is kind of over like two weeks or more probably a month a little over yeah let's let's say since quarantine began since quarantine began and then from here on out we'll do our best to keep it relevant so you guys are listening to spicy new music because i'm (laughs) treating this like a radio show now or like we are billboard rolling stone hot off the press hot off um so 
Um, I just wanted to talk about this new song, Exhale by Yonzi. I thought it was so amazing. So, like, seamlessly, Sigurose, Yonzi, you could, like, fall right into this song. Um, I, what I really liked about it, honestly, is that it had that, like, somber piano that yeah. they always use where there's, like, no highs or, like, serious, like, heavy attack. It's almost like you're hearing, like, the hammers hit the strings in the piano. Mm-hmm. It's, like, so intense. But then Yonzi's solo stuff has always been, like, more heavy into, like, like pop or rock and like it eventually falls into like a very normal like quote-unquote normal like pop rock song and not like their Sigur stuff which is like ambient mm-hmm. like soundscapes <laughs> um yeah and then he just like repeats himself over and over saying it's just the way it is it isn't your fault and it's like I don't know why, but when I heard it, I was like, that's all I need to know right now is that, like, nothing, this isn't my fault. It's just the way it is. (laughs) (laughs) Hearing, like, my favorite Icelandic singer, songwriter, Angel, tell me it's not my fault. I was like, thank you. Well, I, yeah, I had a similar feeling to the song I wanted to touch on, which is, um, which is To See Slide by Drake. (laughs) (laughs) totally the same thing (laughs) in which i felt the same way that i was in quarantine i was feeling all the feels of that and then my very favorite rapper and my namesake aubrey drake graham (laughs) came out with this song and i love it i just i adore drake i'm not embarrassed it's it's like archetypal people, drake like you don't have to try hard to like it it's just so, yeah perfect. some people some people address drake as a guilty pleasure and i disagree with that so much i think drake is amazing and i mean my love for drake started with degrassi i'll just be honest with you i was watching that shit on the end like the end dude like edgy nickelodeon <laughs> i was on that every weekend just watching degrassi and i loved drake then and then he he really just came into himself well i loved Lil wayne too because when mm-hmm. i was living in texas i feel like Lil wayne bled over from new orleans to texas like so intensely and that was such a wave and such a culture um and then whenever drake or whenever Lil wayne rather put on drake and like Nicki minaj and all of those people and young money uh I was I was awakened and then I remember moving to St. Petersburg when I was 16 years old and I worked at Hollister and one of my co-workers at Hollister every night when we were folding the t-shirts for the opening <laughs> the next day she would put on Drake's uh mixtape that's so funny because i worked at hollister too but it was like two years before you did and literally as soon as the store closed they were like turn that shit off put on rap immediately exactly like every time and i would always get really stressed out because they would make it so loud i was just like (laughs) i just want to leave i just want to fold these stupid cali malibu t-shirts and get out of (laughs) here But you were in your element. You loved it. I loved it. it so much. <laughs> and then as I went into college, that just take care soundtrack to my college experience. I love that album. And then and then it just kept going from there. Mm-hmm. And I think that when I was in college is whenever he co-signed Migos really mm-hmm. hard because Versace was 
the Migos song that came out and Drake had a feature on, and that's like what helped Migos pop off. And then same with the weekend, Drake completely created that. And I think I, I just think it's amazing whenever you whenever I reflect back on the origins of Lil Wayne specifically and how he created something so monumental in rap and that has just lived on in Drake. And I mean, Lil Wayne obviously still has his own um, career and, and reach and is in the game, but I feel like Drake is just, it's amazing. And it's also pretty crazy to me that Drake and The Weeknd are like brawling it out for the number one spot right now on the charts. And it's like, meet your maker, you know? Drake created him. Wake up. Anyway, I love the song To See Slide. I think it's great. I I don't think it should be a guilty pleasure at all. I think it's just because he's so, when something becomes so mainstream, when it's like, you know, combating for number one, people are like. It just makes me happy. Like you were saying about your song. It just, I heard this song and I, I just perked right up in Mm -hmm. my quarantine and the video Tyler sent me the video which is so funny it's it's basically an architectural digest tour of his house which is oh the house is so extravagant is it not like is it not like the what's the show cribs it's not cribs it's it's like it's basically like cribs I mean you gotta watch it you gotta watch it it after this I love a music video (laughs) it looks like his house looks like a hotel it looks like a hotel lobby in the best way it like he does deserve it um that song that song has really given me a lot of happiness and and quarantine and i'll just throw it on spotify whenever i feel like i need to pick me up as far as new music goes like i don't have that like emotional like moment of drake like i had i didn't even connect to beyonce until like she put out the surprise album and i thought it was like the coolest thing that ever happened Mm-hmm. at the time um but i don't know i think i'm just slow <laughs> yeah, some no, of i mean stuff. i don't know like i said my my affinity for drake goes very deep back into when i was 14 years old listening mm-hmm. to lil wayne in texas yeah. and like being completely reckless and just like loving it so it, it has a soft spot for me and yeah. in an emotional way but i also think i don't know i think He's very prolific and has put out so much music. And people will argue and debate what's what's good of Drake's versus what is bad of Drake's. But I think it's pretty undeniable that he has. He has a fucking a catalog. Claim. Yeah. Yeah, he does. I mean, his his Billboard chart um, statistics. They're crazy. I've seen them. Are crazy. Yeah. Um, like he broke a new record with this song. I'm pretty sure it was. I read that he it says Drake makes chart history. Um, Billboard announced that the rapper became the first male artist to have debuted three songs at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 songs chart. So That's I feel like there's huge. always something new with him. And I don't know. He's I a think, superstar. We don't have very yeah. many of those. It's true. I So yeah, anyway, I'm excited about that song and have really loved it. So. I won't get into the technicality of why I love it, but I just do. <laughs> you already did in a good way. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. What other songs were you listening to? Oh my god, me, my ears. Sorry, I just <laughs> your ears. Curtain. 
Um, there's this song by this artist named I'm good. I think it's Zansky. Z a n s k i. I know nothing about this guy. Zero. It was just the first song on my Discover Weekly. Like, yeah. Two weeks ago, maybe. And it started out, and I was like, oh, it's got, like, emo guitars at the top, which, mm, I mean, yeah. like, I'm not going to turn, like, I love, I will listen to Discover Weekly top to bottom unless I hear that, the baby girl voice, and then I will immediately <laughs> change the song. Because mm-hmm. I am, yeah. I have such an aversion to women who sound like children. Um, yep. Any, anyway. <laughs> um, but, I will agree with you there. Okay, thank you. But so <laughs> this Zansky song was the first song it came on. It starts with like like kind of like dr- like driving gut- emo sounding guitars, but then this beat falls in and it's like really broken and it's like almost like staticky and like dropping like ghost notes and mm-hmm. it's like uh, it, like hits really hard, really fast and then like in a not like a fast song, it's just like changes tone really quickly and Uh then um i what i also liked about it is the guitars are panned really hard left and right and kind of like disorient in a good way and it reminds Mm -hmm. me of what i really liked about jay paul is how he Mm -hmm. does that with guitars it kind of like pan like really hard panning um but yeah it has like this indie r&b feel and the vocals are like very indie r&b i think he's a white guy um, he has only like less than like te- like two thousand followers on Instagram or something. Mm-hmm. I-, I just I like keep coming back to this song. I think because it has like those like rock element e- like emo music. I don't like emo music. I literally never Elena, did. I don't know. I I think that you maybe did a little bit. I literally what is Jack's mannequin emo? Because that's about yes. the extent of my emo. <laughs> but when I think no, when I think emo, I think of like. People who go to like emo night and they're like taking back Sunday. Yeah, but like Jack's mannequin was at Warp Tour. Yeah, but so was like fucking um oh my god, Katy Perry. So like <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean there's definitely more pop leaning emo, I'll give you that. I definitely did not I like do not like emo music. I am so turned yeah, yeah, off yeah. by emo okay. music because I don't it's not I'm not that there is track. definitely there's a difference between yeah. like Jack's mannequin and full on like Taking Back Sunday for sure. I feel like people who actually like emo are like that's not even emo. <laughs> I don't I don't know what emo music is. I think people I guess, say like American football or like Fugazi or emo. I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, Sure. <laughs> I literally don't fucking know. So I'm not at emo night. It's fine. But I think my attraction to this song was that those guitars sounded like fam- like familiar and sad, and then it sounded mm-hmm. like an indie R and B song, which I immediately liked. And I like the. I'm, I'm with it. So I'm with that. That's it. Consequence Zansky. by Zansky. Yeah, you know, I feel like music I've been listening to right now. It has to either be something that is. I don't want to say topical because it's more than that. It's it like it gets under my skin in a way that it's like catchy and hooky and but I still need to not think about it too much. Mm-hmm. So I've been I've been on this this like battle of head versus heart on music because I know I was telling you how I've been loving the Fiona Apple record and there mm-hmm. are songs from that album where where I will I'll react really strongly emotionally to it, but then I'll I'll 
I'll have to turn it off. Like I remember I was talking to Eric, our friend, um, whenever I was listening to it for the first time, I had to have like three intermissions whenever I listened to that album because it was like, it was too, it was very like harsh to listen to and to consume. Mm. And I think it's either like whenever I listen to that, I have to swing the other way really hard and listen to Drake. Or I was also telling you how, um, I was listening to the Megan the Stallion remix with that Beyonce so Savage. Yeah, I love that song, and I I'm maybe gonna learn the TikTok dance. I don't know. Why I think not? you have to now. I think I, I think I will. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I find a lot of comfort in in music that's just fun and energetic right now. I think that's why to see Slide and Savage and the remix and things like that. I just want to listen to because if I sit alone and listen to fetch the bolt cutters too much i'm gonna absolutely lose my mind but i love it the jazzy influences are really like i was saying very harsh and intense Mm. to listen to but my favorite thing about her music is more so the commentary and the lyrical content so Mm -hmm. i think that's another reason i had to hit pause on it three times when i listened to it initially because i was also reading the lyrics as i was listening and it's it's very heavy and a lot of it I mean I think it, a lot of it is really um, reflective of what we talk about a lot and uh, or what we have talked about a lot and didn't really talk about today which is kind of refreshing about the entertainment and music industry and just how a lot how burdensome it can be sometimes and I think she, she's lived it in such a such a intimate way for so long that she has a really special interpretation of it. So I appreciate that. But musically, it, in, it can feel that combination of, of music and lyrics in such a dense way can feel really overwhelming sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I still, I still have a, have a appreciation for it and understand why people say, like, ah, it's not for me. Because I, like, I definitely get that. It's, yeah. it's not... It's not easy listening by any means. No, so. and I think maybe one day I'll understand it. Yeah. But, and if man. not, that's okay. I wanna, I wanna be on the train. Something. I, I mean, like there are things like brain. like Cigar Rose is not my thing. Mm-hmm. I've listened to it a bunch, but it's not not something I go back to actively because it's not yeah. something that's clicked for me. But I think, I think that sort of thing can happen at any time you just gotta familiarize yourself with something well i know specifically why i love sigaros and it is because it sounds like the songs are written like orchestral pieces Mm -hmm. and i frequently will listen to straight up orchestral (laughs) music and i played it for years so i mean i'm attracted to that but music music did you have another one or was that it that's it. Okay. Well, I just wanted to also mention that Frank Sinatra put out, and it was the end of March, so it's a little you know, older, uh, air quotes. Mm-hmm. It's so, <laughs> so yesterday, as Hillary Duff said. Time um, is an illusion. <laughs> that's true. Time is not real. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, <laughs> so Frank Sinatra put out three, and by Frank Sinatra, I mean his estate. He is literally sure. dead. I was going to say, isn't he very dead? He is dead. 
so sadly so dead. My parents saw him perform on New Year's Eve in Vegas. Let's see. And they sat at his table, and he was like, yeah. who is that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Just Italian life for you. With the same aunt who was friends with both Robin Williams and Robert De Niro. That's who yeah. got them the table. That's for a different day. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> got a lot to unpack there. Um, that'll come up again at some point. But anyway, so... Frank Sinatra's estate put out three remixed songs of his, one of which mm. has a studio session audio at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not super familiar with Frank Sinatra's music, but it, this was on my Discover Weekly as well. Obviously, mm-hmm. Spotify was like, learn this. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I clearly don't listen to enough Frank Sinatra. And it came right. on and... I just thought it was a, a rem. I knew it was him. His voice is like you hear it, and you're like, "That's yeah, of course." Him. New York, New York, New Mister New York himself, <laughs> even though he's yep. from Jersey. Um, well, whatever. Well, who cares? Anyway, but anyways, I heard it, and I was just like, "Cool, I'm gonna keep computing." And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, the mix completely shifted, and he started laughing, and I was just like, "What is happening?" <laughs> I was like, he starts talking and making jokes and he's like calling Uh people like names and like having so much fun and you can hear the entire or it's like he's doing like a love song. It's called I have what's it called? I have a crush on you or something. It's like, I mean, he's crooning, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) He's giving it to us. But as Frank Sinatra does, as he does, you can hear all the studio musicians, like the piano player, he's like making, he's like making fun of people. It's like, yeah. Oh my god, it like warms my heart. He makes really like pretty bad jokes, but okay. it's like, oh, he's so funny, and it was just so nice to hear. And you can tell that they yeah. they picked that specific session to leave in because he was so mm-hmm. just like wonderful to hear him talk in that way yeah. and like be like funny in a person. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's so really good. Nice. I highly recommend listening to it just because his voice is amazing, but also, and like, and you like hear him, like, he he starts on like the, like, kind of the, not the wrong pitch, but I think like it was a little off. He wasn't in tune with the piano, and like, he, all he has to do, he just like stops and like quickly, like, the way his voice worked was mm-hmm. like no other. He could just like hit every note so perfectly at any speed and just like, Try, hearing him try to find the pitch of this yeah. song was like hearing um, like seeing Picasso pick a paint color that's what I love it, it felt like yeah I, I need I need to listen to that I think it's really nice that a song like that would come out at a time like this when people really are seeking that human connection and especially mm-hmm. to people like that who are so idolized and larger than life and being able to to see those glimmers of humanity is, is really important in any way that we can right now. So that's, that's it. That's our segment. That's, that's our, our music report. <laughs> um, so you heard it here first people, Frank Sinatra and Drake. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We are breaking bands. We are. <laughs> Only like the biggest rapper in the world them? and the most <laughs> very underground. <laughs> What were you going to say? No, <laughs> say it. I was just going to say that the idea for doing this was to talk about pop music that we like 
so that our listeners can have the context. So wait, but we added this segment because, well, I just remember you saying like we listen to new music, and I was like, that's a good idea. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I feel it. like I feel like in our past episodes we've been pretty critical of pop music, and we just wanted to provide a moment to reflect on the current music that that we're enjoying whether it's drake or a new mix of a frank sinatra song or yon z or fiona apple whatever it may be just just to kind of give a little context to our musings Mm -hmm. on pop music so you guys are just lucky we're talking to you about music (laughs) oh my (laughs) You lucky bastards. Yep. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm not. No. But anyway, <laughs> we love music, so moving right along. Music is my boyfriend. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, okay. Um. <laughs> oh, what my next? God. Oh, five words. Are you ready? I'm just going to say them to you first. Let's fucking go. Okay. Unclear. Eyes. Storm. King. Penny. Henny? <laughs> oh shit. My AirPods. <laughs> I thought you were saying Henny like Hennessy. I was not. I was not. Penny? My AirPods fell out. <laughs> I said, hold on. I gotta make. Okay. We're connected. Okay. Penny like the coin. Bags. <laughs> Windshield. Wiper. Volunteer. Organization. Okay, that sucked. <laughs> did you, did Not you say? I, said, I said that sucked. Not because of you. Just... <laughs> Should we do it again? I no. Mean... <laughs> I think that was amazing. My AirPods that fell sucked. out. <laughs> Okay, I'm just going right into mine. Go. Okay, gray. White. I don't know, I can't hear you for some reason. Can you hear? Hello? That's better. Okay. Cabinet. Oof, now you're really loud. I'm sorry. Okay. No, it's okay. Um, this is terrible. Sandal. Wood. Rosie. O'Donnell. <laughs> Explode. Volcano. Cool. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> okay, why does this get worse? Every I don't know. Time? You were breaking up a lot in between in all of oh. that, so that was it, it's neither here nor there, but that's where my confusion was coming from. Look at my yeah, bangs. it's getting bad. <laughs> we might need to retire the scale. Oh my god. Get away from me. <laughs> I hate them so much. I know. Oh, I'm just kidding. It's great. No, they're not. I look like a, a boy band. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, the visual is a whole new a whole new world. Let's do the stats. Okay. Okay. Also, Three. no, we're not retiring the word game. I love that it <laughs> spirals even further out of control every time it gets fucking worse. I want this game <laughs> to completely dissolve before we decide not to do it. I want one of us speaking in tongues before this game <laughs> is taken out of rotation. Okay. okay. 
So count it down. <laughs> okay. Three, two, one. Silly. Serious. Oh, bummer. <laughs> what am I going to say? <laughs> We're going to bum all you out now. Okay. Get But this. not me. Elena will. My silly yeah. stat is that... <clears throat> Houseflies find sugar with their feet, which are 10 million times more sensitive than human tongues. That's disgusting. I'm just here to state the facts. Where'd you get that? Some bug website. <laughs> what was it called? <laughs> um, I don't have that information on here. Oh my god, sugar the websites are always the best flies. part. Well, I don't remember what website I found that on because it was a little while ago, but I did just Google it and see it is on pestworldforkids.org if anyone would like to fact <laughs> Sounds check Sounds legit me. to me. <laughs> Pestworld for me. kids? <laughs> yeah. What about yep. Pest World for me, for adults? For grown-ups. Yeah, for big kids. <laughs> <laughs> what about that? I don't know. I'll, I'll look into that for you, but that's my stat. So I got to times. 10 million times more sensitive than human tongues. That's, That's pretty disgusting. intense. disgusting. Can you imagine if your feet could taste things? No, and also they eat, they eat like gross shit. So what does that say? <laughs> okay, so what's the serious stat? I realize now it's kind of, it's serious because it's information that, that cat owners shouldn't know. But it's okay. silly because it's about cats. So it's a little, Let's hear little, it. little mishmash. Let's hear that. 27% of cat owners in this new study didn't know lilies were dangerous to cats and had them in their house. Wow, negligent. So I, that, yeah, <laughs> so negligent. <laughs> and the website, because I think that's the best part of these stats, um, is cattime.com. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Cattime.com. <laughs> That's it. Okay. 27%. So of the people didn't know. And then they had Lily. Basically, the fact was about Easter flowers. Okay. <laughs> On cat time. Cattime.com. So it was just saying, like, if you're going to get flowers for Easter and you have a cat, um, don't. Avoid the lilies. Yeah. All right. You have to say something no one ever said before. I said she died choking on the floppy disk. Mm. I really hope no one's ever said that before. Who would have said that before? CSI. Law and Order. Do you think anyone's ever choked and died on a floppy disk? Do you want me to Google that or do you want to live in... in let's live, let's in live in the... Ignorance. In the ignorance. Choke on a floppy disk. <laughs> I was eating a burrito and it dawned on me that the lettuce in burritos is very floppy. Mm, it is you know how it's those yeah. those little Shredded. shreds mm. and they're very flopped they're so is the is the word I would use to describe mm. it. And then I felt like I was going to maybe choke while I was eating the, mm. the lettuce in the okay. burrito because <laughs> I, I right. coughed a little like <clears throat> and mm-hmm. I was like, what? What is floppy that I could choke on? And floppy disk occurred to me. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not going to say anything else. You shouldn't. I don't want you to. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's my. So I wrote three. I'm just gonna gonna drive right through them. 
I am the khaki king at this Creed concert. Don't you forget it. My mom is a glass of milk. I am the boss of all the thick skunks. Of all the like thick Pepe skunks. Like Pepe Le Pew's love interest. The, the khaki king at the Creed concert? Don't you forget it, sister. <laughs> <laughs> you seem so disappointed in me every time I say that. I'm just like, I can't believe you. <laughs> I just feed off of the energy that you give me on mine. <laughs> Well, I feel like someone has choked on a floppy disk. Maybe they didn't die. So you think that I, you don't think that's valid? You You think someone said that before? I think you plagiarized that (laughs) from a police report. Okay. I I know you read police reports. I'm Googling it. (laughs) Choke on floppy disk. The CIA is going to come for you. Um... There's something called a choked disc. There's nothing about people choking <laughs> on the floppy sound disc, right though. At all. Yeah, what's that mean? A thin, flat, or wait, no. Is it on Urban Dictionary? Because otherwise, I don't know where I'm at. Okay, well that's our podcast. I hope everyone learned something today. Um, I certainly feel like I learned something, even though I, I was one talking. Attraction is when there is something or someone that can get your attention above all else. So you are not distracted. You actually are distracted by this object or feeling or person or activity or whatever it is that that you're attracted to. Or maybe it's being able to articulate how you feel about a matter you're passionate about and it being validated by a person or a group. Well, considering how attracted I am to something or someone, it's not just how it looks, it's how it makes me feel. It's so much feeling is wrapped up in other things other than like a physical thing. How it engages my mind, how it makes me dream and think. I'm gay now, but I haven't always been gay. And, and the funny thing about that, I mean, I guess I've always been gay, but I think the funny thing about that is, you know, when I was in high school, I convinced myself that I was attracted to women. And I think, you know, honestly, I was attracted to women, like not in a physical sense. I can't imagine ever being like physically attracted to a woman, but women have such an amazing, like, especially like in high school for me, such an amazing, like connection to themselves, such a better understanding of themselves than boys do at that time. And I was always amazed at like the thoughts and like the conversations I was able to have with them. And I think like the crazy thing about it is it led me to being actually attracted to them. And as I've gone in my life, gone on in my life and been, you know, attracted to actual boys, there has been obviously the physical attraction, but the boys that I'm most attracted to, I wouldn't say are, you know, paragons of physical excellence. They're people who make me question things. They're people who challenge me. They're people who like really engage my thoughts. And I think it's something about attention. I feel like people are paying attention to me when they engage my thoughts. And I feel important and wanted. And feeling important and wanted is attractive. Attraction to me is that magnetic pull toward an experience or a memory, uh, a thought or an idea that sparks joy inside of a being for one reason or another, whether it's something tangible, like just running a 5K and devouring a thick-ass Chipotle burrito like the Cookie Monster afterwards, or maybe it's just nailing the perfect thing to gift someone, or something less tangible, like the chemistry shared between people 
Um, maybe it's music that resonates with your subconscious. A friend of mine showed me a song, and my gut reaction, my first instinct, was to say, "Oh, I like this song." And then after a few minutes, I had to, I had to take a few steps back, and I thought to myself, "Oh wait, no, I actually don't like this song. I just know this song. It's familiar." And I had to turn to my friend and say, "Sorry, you know what? I lied." Um, I actually don't like the song. I just I I know this song. It's familiar to me. I recognize it. In fact, I don't like the song at all. A more embarrassing example is、uh, a number of years ago. I, I had gone to see this buddy cop film with a friend of mine, and I pointed out that there was something attractive about the lead character, and my friend said that's really weird because he reminds me a lot of your dad, <laughs> and I was like. Excuse me. I actually don't find the lead so, like something attractive about this this actor. Actually, what I meant to say was that he was familiar to me. And like how your energies can interact with each other. There's there's no emotion to it. It's a it's just a an energy thing.